This podcast is brought to you by the future of service lane technology, GoMoto. If you're ready to experience increased revenue, happier customers, and a more efficient service lane, then it's time to partner with GoMoto. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Mercedes walks back its EV sales target as demand wanes. Rivian cuts a tenth of its staff, and the UAW puts millions of dollars behind organizing more plants. Plus, Lori Whitman, president of Retail Solutions at Cox Automotive, joins the show to talk about how the market is shaping up so far this year. I just think there's enough pent-up demand. I think we're going to see a fantastic year for our car dealers. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Mercedes-Benz warns that battery electric vehicles will remain more expensive than their combustion engine siblings for years to come. That's as the luxury car maker braces for cooling demand for EVs. CEO Ola Kalinius tells Bloomberg Television that variable cost parity between EVs and gasoline-burning cars is many years away. During the automaker's latest earnings presentation on Thursday, Mercedes toned down expectations on EV demand and said it will update its combustion engine lineup well into next decade. But Kalinia said the move is about flexibility, not a move away from its electrification push. I don't want this to come across as, oops, is the electric thing not as hot as everybody was talking about uh, maybe three years ago? No, it is that hot. Look at the tens of billions that we're pouring into these next generations. We're not missing a beat in terms of how we're investing into this. We're pushing ahead, as a matter of fact, uh, and investing on a very high level. But I think as an incumbent, you need a double hedge, uh, and that's what we're doing. In its fourth quarter earnings report, Mercedes said net profit fell 21% to $3.4 billion. Revenue dropped almost 2% to about $44 billion. For the full year, Mercedes said net profit slipped almost 2% to $15.8 billion, while revenue rose more than 2% to $166.3 billion. Rivian is also feeling the slowdown in U.S. EV market growth, and it's cutting its salaried workforce by 10%. In Rivian's fourth quarter earnings report, the EV startup is forecasting flat 2024 production compared to last year at 57,000 vehicles. Rivian said its net loss in the fourth quarter was about $1.5 billion. That's an improvement over the $1.7 billion loss in the same quarter a year earlier. But Rivian's full-year 2023 loss reached more than $5.4 billion as it continues to burn through cash on its quest for profitability later this year. Total revenue was more than $1.3 billion in the fourth quarter, compared with $663 million in the same period in 2022. There weren't as many silver linings in Lucid's earnings report. Its fourth quarter net loss widened to $654 million. Lucid now expects to produce just 9,000 vehicles this year as high interest rates weigh on consumer demand. 
The numbers compare with Lucid's net loss of $473 million in the same period the previous year. Lucid makes just one vehicle, the Air Sedan, and expects to launch its Gravity crossover later this year. The automaker delivered more than 1,700 airs in the fourth quarter, compared with about 1,900 a year earlier. And the UAW says it's committing $40 million to organizing non-union auto and battery workers in the United States over the next two years. The union's International Executive Board voted this week to commit funds in response to increased organizing activity among auto and battery workers who are not unionized. In November, the UAW announced its effort to organize 13 automakers' non-union plants. They include Toyota, Tesla, Nissan, and Volkswagen. This month, the union said it has signed up a majority of employees at VW's plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, so the UAW committing this $40 million to organizing non-union auto workers, do you think $40 million is what it takes for the UAW to organize non-union plants? I got to tell you, I have never uh, tried to organize uh, a workplace, let alone something as big and complicated as an auto factory. It sounds like a a lot of money to me. I mean, most of these are pretty bare bones operations. You know, you, you rent an office, uh, put a really minimal staff in there, get some computers and a phone line. Uh, you know, it shouldn't take a whole lot to get things going. Although, you know, they could be pretty big, especially if you're trying to mount a broad campaign while the automakers are putting out a lot of information about why not to join the union. So there could be some needs there. I think if they can get a win or two kind of early on, like in Chattanooga with the VW plant, there could be a lot more momentum behind it and more money to pay for organizing. I also wanted to ask you, Jamie, have we ever seen the union try to organize as many plants as this at one time before? They're always trying to organize everybody, but basically no, in large part because there are more non-union plants now than there were in the past. You know, Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Hyundai, et cetera, they haven't had to close plants. Uh, they keep adding more, you know, Tesla and Rivian and Lucid, you know, they weren't around during the past uh, or big organizing drives. Tesla was, but Rivian and Lucid were not. So yeah, there's a bigger footprint of non-union plants and they're going after all of them more aggressively than they have for many years. Gotcha. Coming up, we'll hear from Cox Automotive president of retail solutions, Lori Whitman, about what dealers should expect from the market throughout the rest of the year. That's next on Daily Drive. We get it. Your service drive gets busy. Your advisors have a lot of responsibilities, and sometimes your customers end up waiting around for help. If you could ease these challenges and enhance everything about your service drive, why wouldn't you? It's time to reduce your customers' check-in time using QR codes or mobile apps. It's time to give them the convenience they crave with the ability to pick up or drop off at any time of day. It's time to increase your service lane's revenue by offering upsells 100% of the time. Give your advisors more time back to focus on what they do best. Get your service lane a kiosk that can do all this and more. It will truly enhance everything. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Normal might be the word of the year so far for the auto industry. Normal meaning pandemic times and chip shortages and massive pent-up demand are starting to fade in the rear view. But what does normal even mean? 
Car buyers are now weighing all kinds of new economic factors that are quite different from any time in recent history. They're considering whether to go all electric more than ever before, and the digital landscape is revolutionizing the way they're buying vehicles. Lori Whitman is the president of Retail Solutions for Cox Automotive. I caught up with her at the NADA show in Las Vegas to talk about how she's seeing this new environment play out and how dealers are adjusting. Lori Whitman, welcome to Daily Drive here at the Automotive News booth at the NADA show in Las Vegas. Thank you, Jamie. It's great to be here. So good to have you here. I'm curious, you know, uh, Cox has such a big footprint here at the show. Uh, what is your message or mission here at this uh, big NADA? Yeah, I love this event. It is so energizing to be with all of our dealers and lenders and manufacturers. You know, what we're talking about, and it's funny because I started the week at AFSA. One of oh, our right. big dealer groups was there. One of the executives was speaking, and it's funny. He talked about it, which is which is omnichannel, which is really creating a consumer experience. The consumer really has to be at the center of everything we do in automotive, but it's really creating a consumer experience that works. What we know, we do a ton of research at Cox Automotive. I know you know that. And what we know is that consumers want to do so much digitally, but they don't necessarily want to do a full e-commerce transaction. It's a big purchase mm -hmm. and they need the dealer's help to figure out what's coming in, what's going out, what's the best inventory for them. And so we have a new solution that we launched this year that really helps tie it all together. So the data that we have, all the rich consumer data from like Auto Trader, Kelly Blue Book, all of our dealer websites, and you match that up with all of our rich inventory data from Mannheim, from Viado, and everything we know about the customer in terms of their service history, all of that information is at the fingertips of the dealer, so it creates a great personalized consumer experience, but the dealer also has control and, and a really good dashboard to be able to make decisions. It really creates a great experience, and I'll tell you, on the show floor, the dealers that are seeing it are super excited. Hmm. Yeah, because, uh like you said, customers want to do some amount and more and more of it online before they go to the store. And what they really don't want to do is go to the store and have to start all over again. That for sure, for sure. You know, it doesn't feel like somebody really knows them. And what we have all been accustomed to is as we shop online is that it starts to serve up deals that are customized to us. And so why should automotive feel any different than right. any other experience? Should be at least as good. At least should be as better. Good. We're better. <laughs> Cox Automotive consistently looks at dealer sentiment. We do. Uh, you know, tracking it regularly, but also there's there's no substitute for talking to people face to face. Yeah. What's your sense of the the mood of the dealers in America right well, now? Well, it's interesting because I I was with some dealers in Northern California toward the end of the year, and then of course we do a tremendous amount of research and our dealer sentiment study at the end of last year kind of bore out what I was hearing from some dealers that I was visiting with on the West Coast, which is, oh, you know, it, things are tough. Affordability is a, is a challenge. And, you know, I also heard that a little bit on the show floor from, from dealers. But I do believe, and I've seen it here, that there is a sense of optimism. You know, when we look at our information on what consumers are saying, consumers actually have higher satisfaction with dealers 
this past year than they did the prior year. Hmm. And I just went to this Gen Z presentation today and Gen Zers, because they don't have the experience, are even more likely to spend time with a dealership asking questions. And I, I just think there's enough pent up demand. I think, I think we're gonna see a fantastic year for our car dealers. Interesting. But there, I do know part, one of the things that is um, a source of anxiety for a lot of dealers is the the EV transition, the pace of it, and yeah. uh, and just I think solving all of the problems that that need to be solved in order to make it a bigger part of the market, the infrastructure and the affordability, especially. You are absolutely right, and as a consumer who just bought an EV, congratulations, a EV, uh, <laughs> you know, in the last year. I can understand the concern and just the anxiety you have around a purchase like that and understanding things. And we don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen with the adoption curve. Let me just say that. But what I do know is that we play a really important role at Cox Automotive. And I, and I think of it in kind of two, two broad buckets. Um, one being we are usually an educator of consumers mm. on new models, new vehicles, new features. And so we take that very seriously. Kelly Blue Book's been around for almost 100 years. Mm -hmm. And so we have a KBB EV guide that helps answer some of the questions that are out there. And I think that's an important role we play. The other thing that's really top of mind for folks is what's my car going to be worth? You know, the battery is a right. bigger part of the valuation of, of a, an electric vehicle. And so we've done a tremendous amount of work figuring out what, what the value of that is because a lot of people rely on us for that information. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that we can provide the most accurate value based on the state of the health of the battery. So, yeah, it is top of mind for us as well. And you've also um, built some services to try to help dealers and others in the value chain with... Uh, yeah. other elements of that. We're helping with education and then Grace Wong, my peer that runs the inventory business, right. has invested in EV technology as well as part of her auction business. So we have a number, I mean, it's Cox Automotive is such a big business, we've invested in a number of areas. Yeah. Right, right. Any last thoughts on the outlook for the year? I mean, it seems like things are, are growing and the factories are humming, yeah. getting vehicles delivered to dealers, but with that uh, rising inventory, so like we're seeing shrinking margins again. It's a little more like uh, like the old days. <laughs> yeah, you know, I heard someone say recently that you know all, everything old is new again. It's he was commenting on you know how some of the um, the newer manufacturers are embracing kind of the franchise system. Yeah, and I, and I think that's true. I think that we are probably heading into a little bit more of a buyer's market than mm -hmm. a seller's market that we've seen. I think more than ever dealers are doing the right things. And I think what they're trying to figure out is who can help them find the right customers, you know, where they're the biggest audiences, where people can um, help them isolate which customers are interested in which vehicles. And I think, you know, those that are working with partners that can help them really isolate and use all of the data to make good decisions about their deals are the ones that are gonna succeed. And so that's what we're seeing in the market. All right. Lori Whitman is president of retail services at Cox Automotive. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff for his reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on retail technology, EV demand, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about 
common mistakes in dealership finance and insurance offices. We service uh, 39 different states and over every single one of them, we're seeing tons of advertising mistakes where the price is never going to be gotten to, the car doesn't exist. Lots of different pieces to the advertising puzzle that people are just doing wrong. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.